brothers and sisters, uh, is there some other button I need to push? I don't see a green light. Power button, maybe? Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, power button. That'll work. All right. So I'm a little off my game. I don't know why that song was sung without Daniel leading it. <laughs> but we'll make it. We'll make it all right. I appreciate uh, Eli leading our songs. He does a great job. I, uh, we have uh, this congregation. You, we, you don't go to other places. Sometimes you may not be aware how blessed we are with how many song leaders we have in this congregation. We are a blessed congregation that, in that sense. Um, so, you know, if you have a song leader, just let them know. They don't get maybe all the praise that uh, they deserve. To let them know how much you appreciate their leading the songs. Uh, you know, Dick did a, a great job th- this morning, and, and all of the men just do a wonderful job. Uh, if you would, please, turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. That will be our um, passage that we will be spending the majority of the time in, only because this is the one that we will be uh, exegesising. That's a big word uh, for those of you who may not have heard it before. I remember the first time I heard it, it came out of Ed Dyke's mouth. He says, we're going to exegesis this passage. And that sounded really uh, hypo- uh, really wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> exegesis just sounds like the wrong thing to say, but it's E-X-G-E-S-I-S. So it, it's uh, a word meaning basically that we're going to dissect the, uh, the passage. And so what I'd like to do is just read that passage. Let's start with Scripture because I believe this will be pleasing to God uh, when we are in His Word. Uh, no one can say it better than Him. Amen? <clears throat> Verse 8. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so he took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Moses held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This is by no stretch going to be a new sermon for, I don't believe, anyone in here. You're not going to hear something from me, and you're not going to be going, I never heard that before. And quite frankly, for most of us, if we do hear that, we should be asking the preacher what they're saying, because quite frankly, there's not a lot that we haven't heard. We may hear it presented in a different way, and, and I like to do that sometimes. But again, this is not going to be one of those sermons where you're going to walk away going, oh, wow, that was uh, fascinating. I never heard it presented that way. It's a very straightforward lesson. But sometimes I believe it's important for us to have those straightforward lessons. Those lessons that are pretty much just plain and simple. This is what you should be doing. Are you doing it? 
a passage that we're reading where we go, all right, this is what God wants me to do, and we evaluate our lives in a very simple tone and go, am I doing this? God does not want to present us with something that makes us go, well, I'm not quite sure what he meant there. Another passage I think we have that we're confused with, but for the most part, what we're looking at is passages that basically give us how to live life. So we're going to come away with this, I think, understanding just better about how am I supposed to live and how am I supposed to fight this fight? How am I going to raise holy hands in this war that I am in, this Christian war that I am in? To begin with, I would like to uh, start with reading, uh, with actually beginning at the end of this passage. I want to end on a positive note. If I finish at the last part of this, you will, you'll see, it's not maybe the most positive thing. I want to end with a positive note. So let's just go to verse 8, or, uh, excuse me, verse 16, and read verse 16 again. And we'll start with verse 15, excuse me. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Brothers and sisters, this was a never-ending battle. This was not a battle that took place one time with Amalek, and it was never ever heard of it again. Very much like the Avengers and the Marvel comics, brothers and sisters, just because they defeat Thanos doesn't mean there's not another bad guy just around the corner. Just because they, they defeat uh, Doc Ock doesn't mean there's not another bad guy around the corner. Just like with our superheroes, there is a constant battle going on. It's not one battle and we're done. And we've got to realize that. I think sometimes you go, well, I made it through that. I made it through that temptation. I made it through that trial. And we need to be ready. We can't just rest on our laurels and say, okay, now I'm done. Because that's not how God allows the world to work. He allows the devil to have this chance to attack us. Even in this case, when we read that God said that this was going to be an ongoing war, this was not hyperbole. He really meant it. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 47 and 48, we find that Saul fought these very same men. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 20, David also fought the Amalekites. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 42 through 43, Simeon fought the Amalekites. And <clears throat> maybe not the, necessarily the last one, but the, the last one that I could find was Gideon in Judges chapter 17, verse 12 through 25, once again fought against the Amalekites. This was an ongoing battle. Now how does that apply to you and me? I think it applies to us because of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Brothers and sisters, he's looking for us all the time. This, this roaming about doesn't mean that he goes back into his den and sleeps it off for a few hours, and you've got an eight-hour period where you're like, okay, I'm good. <coughs> we had a lesson that was given to us not too long ago by one of our candidates, and Rusty brought out this passage and talked a lot about this passage and did a great job of understanding this passage. And we need to understand also that what God is saying here is, brothers and sisters, this is an ongoing battle. There is rest. Amen? But is it on the earth? No. It isn't until we are done with this earth, until we're done with this battle on the earth, that we have rest. 
God created the earth in six days. He didn't stop on the first day. He didn't stop on the second day. He went to the sixth day. It wasn't until the seventh day that he rested. Why? Because it wasn't until the seventh day that everything was good. It's not going to be until we get to heaven, brothers and sisters, until everything is good. We need to realize that. We need to be prepared to realize that our enemy, our adversary, the devil, is seeking to attack us at all times. He's attacking us right now. Right now, he doesn't want you to hear this message. He's going to try to make you think of things. He's going to make your belly rumble, and you're going to be thinking, Mmm, I'm hungry. What's for supper tonight? He's going to make you think things like, what am, what am I going to do this week? How's work going? Or I'm tired. He's constantly pulling you away from the message and, and doesn't want you to hear these things because he's constantly fighting. And he's going to take you out in the world and he's going to even have more fun with you. And look at what it says here. He's seeking whom he may devour, which brings us to the second point of the lesson. And we go back to verse 8, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Now that passage doesn't seem to say much, but we pair it with another passage, it makes a lot of sense. If you were to turn it with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25 and read verse 17 and 18, God is speaking and he's reminding them of the Amalekites. And he says in Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18, Remember what Amalek did to you along the way when you came out from Egypt. Now listen, brothers and sisters, listen to what he says here. How he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary and did not fear God. Let me slow down just a little bit and help us understand something that's being said here. This is God using the, maybe it's not the words anymore, at one time, the smack. He's talking smack right here. Is that right, Elizabeth and Joshua? Am I saying that right, or am I out of tune again? But anyways, he's talking, he's, talking, he's talking about them. He's talking them down. Why? Because there was protocol in, in war. If you were going to go to fight someone, you didn't sneak up on them. You met them on a hill, and they on the other hill, and you called each other out. Think of the, the, the story of David and Goliath. A perfect example you know, you had the giant on one side and David on the other, and he's going, who's going to come? Come on, fight me now. This was a respectable way of fighting. This went on for quite a few years, hundreds of thousands of years. This idea that you didn't, you didn't go up and stab him in the back. When David was in the cave and he had <coughs> Saul right in front of him, did David stab him in the back? No, brothers and sisters. If you read the passage, he cut a piece of garment off and says, I could have had your life, but I didn't. So this idea of the devil attacking from the rear when you're not looking is one thing. But then what does it also say? He didn't even attack the strong ones. Who did he attack? The stragglers and the weaks. Brothers and sisters, if you want to fall to the devil... Just start falling behind. Fall behind in your religious activities and what you're supposed to be doing. Don't be a person that comes to services. I guarantee you the devil likes that because that means you're a straggler. And I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> I know. 
But the fact of the matter is, that's one way you get it. Stop your prayer life. Stop being active in the church. And it's a slow thing. When you think about running, you know, I used to run. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I used to run, and I would be a person that would uh, go out and, and ride bike all the time. When I would run, you know, when you first start running, I, you know, especially I, I weighed 100 and, 110 when I was wet at one time. Some of you remember, I was a skinny mini at one time. I was all skin and moans, and I would run. And I'd be trucking it. I'd take out, boom. And I'd be ahead of people by miles. But I wasn't a very good runner because I always got these kinks in my side. Some of you know what, you're ta- what I'm talking about. Could not, nothing I could do. They'd always tell you, oh, I'll do this, stretch here, do that, no matter. And also not, what happened is eventually I would start slowing down. And even though I started the race ahead of everyone else, guess what would eventually happen? Other people would pass me up. Because I was just oh, tired. The devil wants us. He doesn't mind if we start out fast. All he cares is that you start slowing down. You start getting weak in your faith, and he will devour you like this lion. He's a devious adversary, brothers and sisters. Now, does that mean he won't attack you if you're strong? No. Ever watch the animal kingdom? He'll attack, the, the, the lions will attack strong animals. But typically what happens in those battles, halfway through the lion goes, this ain't worth it. And I've heard him say it, just like that, this ain't worth it. <laughs> I remember, there's a great one, you want to get on, online to see a great one. There is uh, one where um, these lions attack this, this uh, a baby um, a water buffalo, I believe, some kind of... They're dragging this water buffalo. There's four or five of them dragging this water buffalo into the water. It's really cool because as they're pulling in the, the uh, water buffalo, uh, up come some alligators, and they want a bit, a bit of the fight also. But what's incredible is that they get them down so far, and then all of a sudden, the mama and papa water buffaloes come back down, and they attack these. And I mean, they start tossing those, uh, those lions like... Popcorn and a, and a popcorn machine. Pew! You see them flying all over the place. You know what those, uh, know what those tigers said? I heard them. Uh, this ain't worth it. And they ran away. And see, that's what God's saying. He's going, if you're strong, I'm going to attack you. I'm going to try to weaken you. Because sometimes when you're strong, if you're caught unawares, he can get you. But the fact of the matter is, if we're strong, it's going to be a harder battle for him. We need to be a people who understand our adversary. He's looking to attack us. He wants us when we're weak. He's running around trying to find us. So what do we do? And that's the rest of the passage here. This is what the passage, in in what I've read, is what it's saying here. So let's go back here and read Uh, Exodus chapter 17. Let's start with verse 9. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Jonathan did as Moses asked him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hands, that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. So there's a couple very simple lessons to be brought here. Number one is found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9. Peter says, I'm going to go to the top of a mountain. What is our theme, brothers and sisters, this this year? Elevate. 
He went to the highest position. He went to where he could see the battle at the, at the best. He was able to see what was transpiring in the battle below. And there he stood, and he stood firm. And we can read in scriptures over and over again. We read about wearing the breastplate of armor. We read about standing firm. We're told not to run from the devil. Brothers, if we are trying to run, it is hard to fight. Your elbows don't go that way. We are made to fight our enemy from the front. We need to be people who are ready for the battle. We need to understand in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we read that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But in verse 9 it says what? It says to stand firm, brothers and sisters. Be ready for him. We need to stand firm in battle and be ready for the devil. And we will be able to defeat him. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. And acknowledge that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Number two. We need to fully rely on God. Psalm chapter 59 verse 17. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. God, you are my fortress, my God, whom, whom I can rely. He went up there, brothers and sisters, and he put up his arms. That's typically not how you go into battle. If you've ever been to a fight, you ever watch a boxing match, you don't see them going like this. All right, come and get me, buddy. Come and get me. Because that's opening you up to be what? Punched in, in the chops, isn't it? But God, but, but Moses wasn't doing the battle. Who was fighting? Was it, was it, was it Moses? Was it his strength? No. And we need to realize that, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> we need to fully rely on God. We need to have our, our, our trust in him. We need, we need to realize that no matter how strong we think we are, if we've got the muscles of Joe, or we've got the willpower of, of the, the most strong-willed person in here, <coughs> we're not going to be strong enough by ourselves. Only when we rely on God will we be able to do that. I was telling my children the other day that how I went into the Navy. And I went in the Navy with good intentions. I wasn't going to be a bad boy. Most of you, again, I was a skinny, nerdy, good kid here. And I went in the Navy. And what happened is the devil slowly wore me down. And I started behaving in manners that I would not be proud of talking about in this audience. You can go in with good intentions. You can go in with saying, I'm not going to be like them. I heard what they say about sailors, how they curse like a sailor. Well, I'm not going to do that. I wish I could say that I was strong and I didn't fall to that. But I'm afraid I didn't. No matter how good are your intentions, we need to rely on God. I didn't go to him enough to say, God, I need your help in this situation. And understand how to get out of it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 9, it says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Amen, brothers and sisters. That's such a wonderful phrase. It's something we should have. Maybe read over it. You want to read over it this week? Just read over it every day this week. Though I was dead, I was made alive in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus alone. Not of all that I've done. Not of anything that I've done. For I am weak. 
insignificant, a sinner. But by the grace of God and his power, am I able to do anything that I'm able to do? Fully rely on God. Third, we need to pray. In this passage, it says that he lifted up his hands, and it reminds me of the passage from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands without wrath or doubting. Brothers and sisters, we don't practice this form of prayer in this congregation. And again, if someone were to do that, that's not unscriptural. It's just culturally, that was something that was done during that time that isn't done here but the idea isn't the lifting. It's not the physical act that's important here. Brothers and sisters, what's important is what's being done here. And that is this gentleman, uh, when he's praying, if he's praying here, is lifting himself to God, lifting his heart to God, giving himself to God. We say when we sing, we need to lift our voices to God. Does that mean we're supposed to scream? No, that's not what it means, is it? We're offering ourselves to God. When we're lifting our hands to God, we're offering ourselves to God. When we lift ourselves in prayer, we're offering our prayers to God. When we lift our voices to God, we're offering sufferings to God. It's a time of giving offering to God. In order to win the battle, we need to be lifting our voices. We need to be elevating ourselves. Elevating the Lord in our songs. There's one more passage that I would like to go through. And it's found actually in Exodus chapter 17. And read verses 12 through 13. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he, <clears throat> and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one to one side and one to the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The last answer to how do we defeat the devil is we need to elevate one another. We're going to keep that theme going. You're going to hear it at least a few more sermons than I know of. Because we want to get that point across, brothers and sisters. Elevating God, elevating one another, elevating ourselves, elevating our worship. We need to elevate one another. We need to lift one another up. Moses would not have been able to do it by himself. And brothers and sisters, we need to realize that sometimes we can't do it by ourselves. Sometimes it's okay to have some people hold your arms up. And think about this, brothers and sisters. That wasn't probably the most pleasant of jobs holding up his arms. It was hot out. It had been sweaty. It was a nasty job. But they didn't care because it was for the Lord and it was for Moses. We need to be willing to help one another and we need to be willing to accept help because if we're not, we're not going to be able to defeat the devil. Brothers and sisters, we can't defeat the devil here in Carlisle if we're not going to do what needs to be done. If we're not willing to step out and, and, and start reaching the world, 
This congregation is going to die. Wednesday night, we have four, possibly at times five, young people and our classes from third, uh, be careful, second grade on down. Where are we going to be in 20 years from now? Have you thought about that? What are you doing about that? We need to be looking at each other and talking to each other and, and trying to find out what's wrong with each other. Seeing and helping one another. There's a song that comes to my mind. It's called Lean on Me. I'm going to save you all. I would love to sing this out loud to all of us together. But I would rather practice it first. I have no idea why this is in our songbooks. Because brothers and sisters, it, 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 it does, it, it, it preaches. I'm going to read it to you. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have all sorrow. But if we were wise, we know there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Please swallow your pride if I have things you need to borrow. For no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. Just call me brother when you need a hand, when we all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. I see some heads going like this. You're singing it. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. And there's so much being preached in that passage about pride, about humility, about depending on one another. Bob Jackways spent an inordinate amount of time putting together a list of where we can go to if we need help, if there's things we need to borrow. And yet I'm given to understand that no one's used that. We need to rely on one another, brothers and sisters. Not just rely on God, but rely on one another. How do we defeat God? Uh, nope, wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> you can't. And a sermon. <laughs> How do you defeat the devil? With God. Standing firm in your faith, relying on God, and relying on others. It's that simple. I told you that. The question is, what are you doing about it in your life right now. How does that look in your life? Are there issues that you have right now that you're not giving to God? Are you struggling emotionally? And I know that there's some of you in this audience that probably, I know it has to be. It, the, the numbers are against us not to. There are some in this audience who are emotionally are struggling with some problems in their lives. I'll raise my hand just so you know there's one of us here. What are you doing about it? 
Who are you leaning on? Who are you turning to? The devil wants you to be like that because the devil wants to trap you and bring you down. This isn't a sermon that lends one to think about coming forward and putting on Christ in baptism. And looking around this room, it's, it applies, but maybe that's what happens. You're looking at this and you're realizing, you know what, I've been, I've been counting on myself to cut, get me through. I'm going to make myself perfect, I'm going to make myself good, and then I'm going to become a Christian. Ah, oh, I wish it were so. But it's not going to happen. The only one that can make you right is God. Well, I'm a terrible person. Yeah. So is Peter. So is Paul. Did they ever mess up after that? Yes, they did. But they fully relied on God. More likely, you're in this audience and right now and you're... You're hearing this sermon and you're realizing that maybe you haven't been relying on those that can help you. Relying on God, relying on your brothers and sisters. Maybe you need to just come forward and just let us know. Humble yourselves and say, help me. If for any reason you need to come forward... Please don't hesitate anymore, but make this time the time that you come forward and bring your concerns, your needs before the congregation. Please do so now as together we stand and as we sing.